Dime lo que, dime lo que tú quieres de mi coqueta. Sé lo que te gusta es salir y te suelta. Cuando baila reggaeton pa' mí, que muñeca. Me gusta salir y se And, you know, sadly, I'm not with my co-host today. He, uh, he was working. Uh, he wanted to be here. But on Fridays, he, he, he usually does like the cement job with his uh, father-in-law. So he, he goes and does that. So, you know, shout out to John. He couldn't be here, but he really wanted to be here. But this episode is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Uh, it's a subscription-based box. It's something that I always use. Uh, they sent me like the facial cream, the hair cream, um, paste, all sorts of stuff. And I love it. I used it way before they even sponsored the podcast. And uh, I continue to use it. And people have actually been messaging me saying like they love it, that you forget to buy razors, you forget to buy stuff, and you can throw all that stuff into your box. And the more you throw into it, the bigger discount you get. So check them out. The link is going to be down below. And also, don't forget to go buy your NFTs. I don't know if you're into NFTs, but... I'm yeah. not, but I am in a Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, I've, see, Dollar I've Shave been Club a member is, for years. is awesome, and so have I. And so, NFTs, we came out with the Chunky Chicanos. They're live. They're ready to go. We're working on the videos right now because I know some people are having a difficult time uh, adding them to your wallet because you have to get a crypto wallet, and then you have to transfer this and that. But it, it's only hard. It only sounds hard. It's actually not that hard. So, go over and check them out. The link is going to be down below. And so... I've been wanting to do this episode for a while just because, uh, you know, I, the first time I heard about you guys was last year. Uh, and I thought it was like a group of people, like it's a, a group of writers, like you got all this stuff going on. And then, uh, and I, I don't know if you do, this is why I'm glad we're doing this uh, uh, podcast, but I know you are the face of it, the head of it. Uh, I don't know how to say your last name, but it's Gigi, <laughs> right? Is it just Gigi Rob? Rob, Okay. And so uh, I want people to get to know you, right? I want people to get to know you, where you came from and what you're about. So are you originally from Idaho Falls? No. So I moved to Idaho 12 winters ago. 12 winters ago. I count it in winters (laughs) because every time I survive, I'm like, I did it. Another one. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved here from the East Coast. Okay. I was born in Mexico City. So I'm a daughter of immigrants and an immigrant myself. We moved here when I was two. We moved to the East Coast. And we moved around a lot. So you you went to the East Coast. Uh, what brought you over to Idaho? Um, I married somebody whose culture closely aligned with that of East Idaho okay. religiously. Okay. I'll be really delicate with how I say that. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. So uh, I want to get into your, uh, j- just to see how you were during like middle school, high school. Uh, so were you into like... Uh, uh, writing English in, in middle school? Yes. I have always been, um, a reader. Mm-hmm. I've always been a reader. I'm an only child of immigrants. My parents worked sun up to sundown. I would ride the bus from wherever they were working to where they were working after school and books were my escape. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you talk to my therapist now, she'll let you know that it's a coping mechanism for trauma. I just, I go to a safe place inside of books mm-hmm. and that very quickly turned into journaling and writing and so moving into high school, I continued to be a reader. Moving into college, I got my master's degree in English. And um, it's funny because English is actually my second language. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of my family in Mexico will say, you know, like, Mija, why did you, why did you take your English so seriously, but not your Spanish? <laughs> and because my Spanish is funny. We'll yeah. leave it there. <laughs> uh, I, I like to tell people, well, I didn't know at first when I was growing up, I thought my Spanish was fine just because your parents speak it to you. So you learn. I didn't realize that in certain, in, in different parts of Mexico, they speak differently. And if your parents didn't go to like uh, high school, college and things like that, they don't know the proper terms. They just know the terms or however they speak in their area. Yes. And so I didn't know that. So growing up, I, I was always getting the argument with my Spanish teacher because I'm like, that's not how you say it. This is how you say it, <laughs> right? And he wasn't Hispanic. So I'm like, how do you know? And I would always get in, into arguments with him. And and then I come to find out that I was in the, in the wrong just because. Uh, but then I also learned, I also learned that, like I said, it depends. I always say like, uh, depends on your rancho, which is mm-hmm. like different areas, different farms and things like that. Um, and so sometimes I would say something and someone would be like, yes, what, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you ever ran into, into the, those type Not of issues. A lot. Okay. I think a lot of people don't realize how many dialects are within the Spanish language. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not like American English here within the continental U S you know, you have different accents and you have some different colloquial phrases, but in Mexico, like it really is regional yeah. and the language can vary greatly based on the region. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was six, we went back to Mexico city to live for a year or two. And I didn't know what they were saying to me, like the slang and the really casual Spanish. I never learned that because mm-hmm. I learned it from my mom and dad. You know, they just taught me the basic, this is how you say things correctly. Mm-hmm. And I remember going back and somebody said something like, dame un lapis manita. And I'm like, manita. Like little hand, like what is a manita? Like I didn't realize that that was like a, hey pal, hey buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, And just throughout the years, I've realized that a lot of the Spanish that I've learned has been very proper, very straightforward. And my parents didn't really encourage me to speak Spanish. I was encouraged to speak English and to assimilate into the U.S. Mm -hmm. I was here in the early 90s where you had to fit in to be successful. Mm -hmm. You couldn't be brown and successful in the early 90s. How was it on the East Coast? Because I've only gone to visit. I never grew up in the East Coast. Were you... So when I was growing up here in in Idaho, like when when I was younger, it was not very many Hispanics. Not very many... There wasn't... It wasn't diverse. You know, there was like... It was just mainly mainly white, and then uh, a few Hispanics. How was it in the East Coast? Was it similar or was it, uh, it was a little varied. bit more diverse? It depended on the area where we were living. Um, when I moved into my house here in Idaho Falls, when I purchased my home in 2016, it was move number 43. Oh, dang. So, so when I say that we moved a lot, I mm-hmm. mean like we moved a lot. Yeah. Um, and so some areas, like we spent a lot of time in New Jersey and New York, And there, I mean, the diversity is incredible. There you can hear eight dialects of Spanish all within, you know, six blocks from Dominican to Puerto Rican Spanish to European Spanish to, you know, Guatemalan, which is just like its own language. And then you're hearing, you know, a lot of different phrases and words and casual speak that you're not used to. Um, And then, you know, we spent some time like in Missouri or Ohio where Mm -hmm. there was diversity especially compared to this area of Idaho. This area of Idaho is particularly white. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I was raised around a lot of people that looked like me and sounded like me and looked like my parents. Mm-hmm. And I did have 
representation that I'm now raising kids in, you know, Southeast Idaho. And now I'm worried, do they have people who look like them, who Mm -hmm. sound like their parents, who share their culture? Yeah. I I think it's a little bit better now. It is. uh, Here, especially because, I mean, I've said it on other episodes on, on the podcast. Uh, I don't think my mom had the same conversation with my little brother, uh, the youngest one. Like when I was about to go into kindergarten, uh, she would tell me, Hey, some kids might treat you, uh, treat you differently just because of your, the skin of your color. And when you're a kindergarten like kid, like how old are you? Like five? You don't know. You're like, mm-hmm. what, what are you talking about? Like, I'm fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. But then you come to learn that there, you are different. Right. And so, uh, so you, you, high school, college, uh, do you want to say what college you went to? I went to university of North Carolina. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a Tar Heel. Oh, there you go. Uh, so were you there during, no, that was after cause, uh, I graduated in 2009 okay. from UNC. Okay. And so what were your goals? Like, were, were you planning on doing something on your own, going, working for like a media outlet, uh, writing books? What, what, what was your goals when you were in, uh, in college? Um, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, this is I, good. This is good. I graduated high school and, um, I kind of expected that there would be more. And then my dad said, you know what, honey, you've, you've gone farther than I have. So good job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Good job. Like, <laughs> aren't you going to help me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I applied to a lot of colleges and I said, if I get into this particular school, I'm going, my original plan was to be a music education major. So I got accepted to UNC as a music major, as a voice education major, and very quickly realized that with the conversations about pulling arts out of the school, that the likelihood of me ever finding a position as a music teacher, especially to work with teens, which was my passion, just was not very high. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly switched majors. I moved to business administration because I think that's what a lot of people do that don't know what they're going to do. Yes, <laughs> It's a very good catch-all for all of us that have a lot of ideas, but not anything really concrete that we're pursuing. Yeah. And then I went on to do my master's in English and I didn't have a plan. Um, my dad is a serial entrepreneur. I grew up around business after business, idea after idea. And I always knew that I was not cut out to follow somebody else's rules, mm-hmm. um, but not for my parents. I was an only daughter of Mexican parents. I followed all of the rules, <laughs> all you, of them. You had to. <laughs> I had to. I was the only one. I couldn't let them down. Um, but when it came to the workplace, things like that, I really always struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my struggle was I have better ideas. Hey, I know this is how we do this, but it could be so much more efficient if we did it this way. Mm-hmm. And I found very quickly in corporate America throughout different positions that that's not always. Like yeah. And, and in some cases it is celebrated mm-hmm. and you are an innovator. And in almost every workplace situation I went into, I was immediately promoted into management. I was moved up the ladder very quickly, but then there comes a point where um, a strong, independent, intelligent woman to certain people becomes threatening. Mm-hmm. And I went through a, a really long period of my life where I felt like I had to dim my shine or make myself smaller to make other people comfortable. And it took me several years to realize that's why I was uncomfortable and that I wasn't going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I really started to pursue my my own businesses and my own serial entrepreneurship because I couldn't work for the man mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. So, uh 
what were you doing during those times? Uh, you don't have to say like where you were working at. I've, but- I've spent a lot of time in food service. I've spent a lot of time in customer service. Um, I've worked within the financial industry. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite positions, I worked for um, a financially advisor, financial advisory practice of a very prominent national firm. And I wrote procedures. Mm, my okay. entire job was literally writing everything down to when an assistant comes into work, turn on the left light switch, <laughs> go to the bathroom and make sure the lid is down, change out the trash bag. This is how you make coffee step by step. And my entire position was just breaking down these daily tasks into step by step instructions. Mm-hmm. And I revolutionized their training program by doing that because it removed so much of the one-on-one training hours that you think are necessary for a company when really you don't need to pay two people labor hours to teach them how to make coffee. Mm -hmm. Like just write it down on a post-it note and they'll be fine. Um, And then I've also worked within retail. I've, I've bounced around a bit. Just a little bit of everywhere. Yeah. I just, I wanted experience and I love people until I don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's fair to say. Um, but my, my last position before I said, I can't, I just can't keep working like this was at a a local retail store. And did you enjoy, like when you were writing the procedures, did that ever get kind of like dull? Cause you know how some people, especially like yourself who, who, uh, like to be creative, like always doing new things, like doing a lot of things. And when you get stuck to doing the same things over and over and over, they sometimes get kind of boring. Um, They can. I like the consistency of it. I liked that job particularly because I could implement efficiency mm-hmm. and I could say, you know, hey, and it, and it sounds so silly, but breaking something down like filing, like, hey, instead of alphabetizing as you go, like maybe prepare all your files and put them in a stack this way and then do it. Um. And so I was able to insert some creativity okay. and some efficiency standards that I thought could improve. Other things like retail, like every day bringing everything to the front of the shelf, every day the same thing, like that that gets to a point where it's just tedious and boring. And I realize I, I could be bringing so much more to the world mm-hmm. than how neat did I make this shelf full of glitter? <laughs> you know, like I, I have so much more to offer the world yeah. than that. Yeah, so I also had another question because when you were talking about, uh, and we all do it, I did it too uh, when I went to college. I, I went and my major was business management uh, just because, like you said, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do, but that seemed like the safest option. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you, like, what were some of the things that made you change your major? Because you went from, uh, you wanted to be a music teacher uh, and then you went to business uh, management. And then what made you change that? Um, well, first of all, there was just that conversation around arts being pulled out of schools. Like, how can I be a music teacher if there are no music classes? Mm -hmm. Um, also, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but as a music major, majority of our courses were one credit hour. And so I remember my freshman year, my, my roommate, Christine was an accounting major and she went to class like. Monday, Wednesday, Friday for like three hours and then Tuesday, Thursday for like two hours. And then she was done. And I'm like, cause I'm going to class like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 AM to 5 PM. And then I'm in the practice room playing the piano. And then I have private voice lessons. 
And then Tuesday, Thursday from like 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then I have choir and then I have like drama. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like the college experience is very different for a lot of music majors. And I don't know if that's the case for all of the arts majors. I'm not sure. But I very quickly realized that my college experience was very different from that of my peers. I was also paying on my own. Mm. Um, I was not getting any type of government funding because of my parents' status at the time here in the country. Um, And I just couldn't continue pursuing a career that potentially wouldn't provide me a job. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think... I think a lot of people, it's really admirable when artists or musicians or whatever the case may be, pursue their career, you know, professionally going the college route with the knowledge that they may never make it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool and it's really admirable. But as a music teacher, like I never wanted to make it. (laughs) My dream, (laughs) my dream has never been to be rich or famous. I just want to give back into the world. And I realized in that situation that I could still give back my passion for music and my passion for working with children without having to have a degree behind it. Mm -hmm. But I did know that I was a young brown woman who probably needed to have a degree in Mm. order to be successful in this country. So I did pursue something, but like you said, it was the catch all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I remember my parents would always, uh, like they're Hispanic as well too, you know, they came from Mexico. Uh, they would always tell us, you know, you have to get a degree. Like that's the only way to make it here. And uh, which is cool and it, and it's right to an extent, but that's because you don't know, you know, you don't know what else is out there. And now, nowadays you can, you can make a living doing a lot of things that uh, I remember when I first started doing media, they didn't understand what I was doing. They didn't, they're like, you need to get a real job, you know, <laughs> like, cause they didn't understand it. And then, you know, I've said it before, you know, you, you show them how much you can make and they're like, oh, and now she's like brags to people and like, mm-hmm. oh, he does this, he does that, you know, which is really cool. But you kind of have to like, if, if there's those people around you that are saying that, no, you can't do that. But if you really want to do it, you, you should actually, you know, pursue that. And um, me, I always, I, I still suck at my, my grammar's horrible. My, you know, <laughs> I hate writing things. I hate my my uh what is it called like uh penmanship Penmanship, yeah it's horrible you know i have i have chicken scratch i I hate it i'd rather type something out and uh show it to you um so you said you're you wanted to go and do something on your own right Mm -hmm. what were some of the steps or what were some of the ideas that you had in mind that you wanted to do um honestly i didn't know i i launched my first i guess official business kind of accidentally in 2014 I purchased essential oils from a friend and I want you to keep in mind, you know, the timeline of this because Mm -hmm. 2014, we weren't social selling. Mm -hmm. You didn't have anybody on the internet saying, I need three people to sign up today for $500 (laughs) with like all the emojis. You know, we didn't do that in 2014. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in 2014, it was very organic when I posted a picture saying, oh my gosh, both of my kids are sleeping at the same time. This never happens. (laughs) And I posted that picture with like a couple pictures of essential oils because I had tried her mom, tried them on them and they fell asleep and they napped. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old and they're both asleep and this has never happened. And that very quickly turned into an international multi-level marketing business for me. And it turned into an opportunity that I didn't intend mm-hmm. to have, but within a year I was making the income to be able to support myself and my children after leaving a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And 
that was kind of what solidified it for me that I could be successful, that I did have it in me to hustle, that I did have it in me to work and use my creative ideas and my passion for empowering leaders in a way that could be monetized. Mm -hmm. And since then, you know, a lot of times people ask me, well, what do you do? You do so much. And I've kind of narrowed it down to, I'm passionate about monetizing my passions. You know, you talk about your story with your family. Like, I don't understand what it is that you do. Mm. I'm over here telling people like, I'm a professional reader. And they're like, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, that means I get paid to read and review books. Mm -hmm. Like, who pays you? Publishers. Um, and I think that that's still really far-fetched for people. And I'm like, I get paid to write. They're like, well, who pays you? And I'm like, Idaho Falls Magazine, BuzzFeed, Love What Matters, um, you know, our blog, East Idaho Moms. And I, I want to be very clear that I do own East Idaho Moms. Mm -hmm. I am not East Idaho Moms. Mm -hmm. East Idaho Moms is a brand all of its own that has taken on a life and a community of its own. And I'm only a tiny facet of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact, a lot of the times my team members will, will kind of, I, I joke and I say, they throw me under the bus because they're like, Oh, Gigi's the owner. And I'm like, stop, <laughs> don't tell everybody that yeah. because we really do work as a team. Mm -hmm. And there is not one thing that if one team member stepped away from it, um, nothing would be the same. Mm -hmm. And I know that as a business owner and as a leader, it's, it's very challenging to have that much power mm -hmm. resting on each individual team member because team members do change, team members do shift. But I, I can truly say that East Idaho Moms is a complete cooperation mm -hmm. of all of the women within the team and within the community that support us. And I am not make or break East Idaho moms. I, I in fact try to avoid being the face of East Idaho moms in most cases. Um, and so with, with East Idaho moms, that was kind of a way to bring together all of my passions mm -hmm. and it turned into this really cool thing that I don't think any of us anticipated, but um, I'm grateful for it. I'm humbled by it daily. So when you first started, you said you were posting, you posted your kids, the essential oils too. Mm -hmm. Was that on your, uh, just like a, a different type of like profile? Was it your profile? Yep. Yeah. Everything that I have done has always been directly through me, just okay. Gigi Rop. Um, you know, whatever variations of the name I've, I've gone through, um, from maiden name to married name. And I have never veered from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're going, you said you, you write for, um, like, Idaho Falls Magazine. Yes, I am a regular writer for Idaho Falls Magazine. We also have a column as East Idaho Moms. Mm -hmm. We have a monthly column in Idaho Falls Magazine, but I am now officially on my own Gigi Rapp, a writer for Idaho Falls Magazine. And how did you make these connections? Was it just because how you were, they, they saw your content or did you go and reach out to them and be like, hey, can I do an article or can I do this? Uh, how did you build those connections? Um, so initially... Emily came to us and Emily, um, has now moved on and Idaho Falls Magazine has a new editor and she came to us and said, I love what you're doing. I would love some new voices for the magazine. You know, can we, can we talk about that? And through our conversations, I realized that she just wanted some, some fresh content for the magazine. And as a platform that is primarily based on blogging, or we were initially, now we've grown to so much more, it was a little bit difficult for me to offer the opportunity for my writers to write elsewhere mm -hmm. because obviously anything they write for the magazine, I'm not publishing on my site. And so, um, you know, it was kind of like a, why would I do that? And then I was like, well, 
what am I talking about? Why would I do that? Because these women contribute to our community. And these are women who many of them are not writers Mm -hmm. by trade. They're, they're not women who came to us because they're like, I want to be a professional writer. And this is a platform. They're women who just wanted to share their stories. They're women who heard us when we said, your story is valuable. Your story is powerful. Mm -hmm. It can be impactful for moms in the community. And to give them that opportunity to be published writers in a, in a physical publication was just too cool to pass up. Yeah. And so after working with Emily on that, I approached her individually and said, Hey, you know, do you, do you need any other writers? Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, like if you want to write for us freelance, we can totally talk about that. And so this year was my first year writing individually for them. Okay. And I've published a few pieces. Yeah. Cause, uh, and you also said you, just because I don't, I think writing in, in like magazines and things like that. And you're like, well, those are heading out, you know, kind of like, uh, VHS did DVDs did. And, um, cause not a lot of people, I mean, there is the audience for magazines and, uh, right now it's a, it's a little bit for me. Well, Cause I'm in the outside looking in. Right. Right. And I'm thinking magazines are, are heading out, but, uh, do you guys, do you still see like a huge, like uh readership and things like that in, in like the whole magazine world? Cause I find that, um, our area tends to lag behind on trends. Mm-hmm. I feel that digital publications in many demographics can still be a powerful tool. I think print media, depending on the demographic, can still be very impactful. However, I do see the direction that we're headed, and I do think it's digital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be a while here in Idaho Falls, East Idaho particularly, before we lose that print media and mm-hmm. that affinity to have that tangible. Um, I think we are still very old school yeah. in a lot of our ways here. Yeah, because... Uh- like there's some magazines that, you know, I've, uh, I've shot in ads for that are no longer uh, around just because, you know, I'm, I'm sure they had a hard time getting people to subscribe to them, to pay like for the, for their subscriptions and things like that. And they all of a sudden they, they, they turn digital and they're saying they're getting millions of views and things like that. So um, that, that's why I asked that that way it doesn't discourage someone right now who loves writing. They may be listening to this, um, what are some tips that you would give them? Like if they're looking to get into writing, where should they, you know, be publishing? Should they have their own blog? Should they be reaching out to people? Should they network to like, uh, their local magazines as well? Um, I can't say that the, the blogging industry has shifted Mm -hmm. dramatically. Um, my writing style has always been very unique. I've always had a very strong voice through my writing. And I remember going through college and having instructors that are like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Like, cause I'm not a creative writer. I can't come up with characters and storylines as much as I read books. I just, it's not something that I, that I'm capable of doing, mm-hmm. nor am I interested in doing that. Um, and I was never much of like a journalism type person. And I was always just a really strong writer, mm-hmm. but I never really fit into any of the boxes. And it wasn't until probably 2011 that I discovered blogging and I was like, Whoa, you mean I can just like make a diary entry and put it online and this is okay. And I think that for many of us as writers, it used to be very closed and very, you had to write for a publication or you had to write a book 
to be a writer, or you had to be a journalist to be a writer. And I think as we've entered this digital space, we have opened so many opportunities for writers and creatives in Mm -hmm. general, really. You know, as a photographer, you're no longer just photographing something that's going to go into somebody's wedding album in an attic for 30 years. Like, (laughs) you know, you now have so many opportunities. And I think as a writer, it's important to understand what type of writing you want to do. And as, as with any other business, who you want to impact with mm-hmm. it, you know, who's your market? You know, if, if you're, if you're targeting the 25 to 34 mom, then online's probably it. You know, there's, there's this new separate, my brain has stopped, um, form of communicating writing that is called microblogging, mm-hmm. and it's done via social media. And so now the copy that you see on a social media post, for example, on Instagram instead of being, you know, 200 characters or whatever Twitter used to limit, it can now be several paragraphs and that is now a micro blog. Mm -hmm. And so you've already shared those ideas as a writer in two paragraphs on an Instagram post. Surprise, you're now a published writer. And so I think that it's important for anybody who has that desire to write to remember that as long as you know who you're writing for and why you're doing it, there will always be something out there. So whether you are messaging a local magazine, a newspaper, a blog, or you're doing your own thing via social media or your own blog space, there is space out there for it. Now, if you want to monetize it, like that's, that's a completely different beast. Mm -hmm. But I think that for a lot of creatives, we really just want to get our work out into the world. You know, the money comes secondary to the passion, I think for a lot of us in this industry. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Sorry, let me just hit this thing again. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because a lot of people, um, like say they message you and they're like, Oh, I'm looking to get into writing and getting into like something like that. And you try to niche them down because I hate it when someone, Hey, what, what kind of, I want to get, I want to do what you're doing. Like, what should I buy? And things like that. I'm like, well, what are you trying to do? And they're like everything. Well, <laughs> it, that's a little hard. I was like, you can't do everything. Cause uh, I remember I went into it also thinking I want to do everything. But as soon as you focus on some, like a certain thing, then you do a lot better because you'll become really good at that one thing instead of being mediocre in like 10 different Mm -hmm. things. Uh, So is that something, I mean, that's basically what I got to is like focus on what you're like the style of writing you're trying to do, uh, who you're trying to, you know, target and then just, just focus on that. Well, yeah. I mean, if the dream is to be a writer of fantasy books, then you probably don't need to be out there working for the post register reporting on car accidents. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like know what it is that you want to do. And there are opportunities and look, a job is a job feeding your family, feeding yourself, growing yourself financially is absolutely a priority. And if that means writing about car accidents for the post register, like do it, Mm -hmm. but don't do it and say you're doing it in pursuit of your dreams. You know, be real about it. Like I've got shit to pay for. So I'm taking this job. And there are absolutely, you know, like steps that you can take. And there are things that you do just to get a little bit of head. Mm-hmm. But I think that just really understanding why you want to pursue that creativity is, is a step that a lot of creatives kind of skip past. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I just like it. Okay, but why? <laughs> Who do you hope to serve? How, what, what is the end outcome? And instead of just making a goal. I want to be a a fantasy writer of a New York times bestselling trilogy. Okay, cool. Let's implement the systems to get you there instead of just setting the goal and then 
Like that's that. Yeah. Uh, that's why I have uh, an issue. I don't know if you've read it or seen the, 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 the Netflix uh, movie, The Secret. No. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I, I love it and I hate it because it, it has some good things in it where they say, you know, make a vision board because you, you can see your goals uh, and things like that. But what they fail to mention is like all the work that you have to put in to get there. You know, mm-hmm. they just see, oh, just envision it and it will happen. Well, you can also envision it and not do anything and it's not going to happen. Right. You know? um, and I, I like how you talked about you have to follow a passion first just because uh, a lot of people will right away want the money and when you do that we, we talked about it this on several of these podcasts uh when people chase the money it'll come but it'll go just as fast as it came uh because your quality's not there your your you know your passion's not there but if you chase the passion you know you're more than likely to i mean the money will come eventually mm-hmm. uh and that's happened like for myself and many others uh including yourself so i wanted to go back a little bit before you started East Idaho Moms, right? Uh, what made you decide to, to go like the Facebook route? You know, because you're on Facebook, you're on uh, Instagram, and you have your own website too, right? Correct. What made you What made you decide on the name, first of all? Uh, and then, you know, what made you decide, hey, I'm going to focus on this and try to monetize uh, on the social media platforms? Okay. Um, so to be clear, we launched in 2018 as Idaho Falls Moms Blog. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not our founder. So Heather founded Idaho Falls Moms Blog in 2018 as a website, a sister site of City Mom, City Moms Blog Network, Mm -hmm. which is a licensing entity. It is not a franchise. And a lot of times there, there is some conversation locally about, well, you're not locally owned because you're a franchise. And I'm like, well, no, we are licensed by city mom collective. They also underwent a rebrand around a year before we did. Um, we are licensed the same way that a realtor is licensed the same way that a, okay, I'm stuck. I don't know what else is licensed besides realtors, but, um, we are not a franchise operating under, City Mom Collective. And so um, I came on the pre-launch team as a writer, quickly moved into a social media position. I was a freelance social media director at the time. And so I already knew the ins and outs of Facebook and algorithms and email newsletters and things like that. Um, And then when the shift to Instagram happened, I didn't know Mm -hmm. Instagram. And I started an Instagram in 2014 and I posted on it casually, but I didn't know it on the business side And I very quickly got out of social media directing because Instagram was just not my jam. (laughs) I mean, and we're, we're talking 2018 when I was terminating contracts with clients because I was not prepared Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to, quite frankly, I was resistant to Instagram. I felt too old, too, too sloppy, too imperfect to step into this visual world Mm -hmm. that was Instagram at the time. And, you know, which is funny now because, you know, now that you know me personally, you've seen my Instagram. I I live there. (laughs) You and I both live there. I see you too. Um, And, but at the time I just, I wasn't prepared to take that leap. And so um, Idaho Falls Moms blog was a really fun opportunity for me to blog, for me to write for this team. And very quickly it turned into a, a large, large thing, a very large community And when Heather wanted to pursue her teaching career full-time again, I purchased the business from her 11 months after our launch. Oh, wow. Um, And it was just a very natural fit because I'd already been working 
with the team. I'd, I'd been there since the beginning. I'd helped launch. And so um, I remember at the time I called a meeting at one of our writers' houses and I, I sat down with a team of, I think it was like five or six of us. And I said, if I'm going to purchase this business, I need to know that I have your backup. Mm-hmm. I can't do this alone. And, and that's why I say from the beginning, it was a team effort. You know, when we, when our founder launched Idaho Falls Moms blog, she went into it knowing it was a business and pursuing it as such. When I purchased it from her, I went into it as a community. Mm -hmm. And shortly after we rebranded to East Idaho Moms, which I felt was a much more inclusive um, name because of the nature of our region, we do have a lot of moms from other areas of East Idaho that are traveling to Idaho Falls for shopping, for doctor's appointments, for socialization, for whatever things may be. And by remaining Idaho Falls moms in our transition, I just felt that we weren't serving the community. Mm-hmm. You know, because we had moms, currently I have moms um, on the team everywhere from Twin Falls to Bear Lake. Oh, wow. I mean, so so our writing team is spread throughout the entire region of East Idaho. We are fielding requests from businesses in Boise, Nampa, and they're coming to us for advertising. And I'm like, hey, like I'd, I'd love your dollars, but we just don't serve your market. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're over here. Um, although City Mom Collective does have opportunities for a sister site ownership in Salt Lake City and Boise, we do currently have like the solo spec on this part of the map. We have 70 something sites nationwide affiliated with city mom collective. However, our nearest site I think is in Portland. Mm-hmm. So Nevada, Utah, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Colorado, like we are it representing this area. And we started as a blog. We just wanted to provide a voice for local mothers to share their I believe the initial mission statement was like share a, bring a positive voice to motherhood. And when I took ownership, I very quickly shifted that to an honest voice. Mm-hmm. Um, positivity is great. I think the power of positivity is, is, is incredible. And you know what we talked about manifesting and visualizing, that's all really powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we don't need that all the time. Sometimes we just need like the real shit. Sometimes like, I don't want to hear how some woman potty trained her toddler in 24 hours (laughs) when I am like six months into it and I'm tired of being covered in pee. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, and I, and I felt like we needed more of that in this area. I think that we, we live within a culture that attaches shame and guilt to a lot of natural things Mm -hmm. here. And we talk about this a lot face to face with our moms, you know, sex and sexuality, things like that are often very, um, shameful feelings arise when Mm. talking about things like that. And I think that a lot of things are carried out in secrecy because it's just something you don't talk about. You don't talk about how you did not like being a mother today. Mm. You don't talk about how your kids drove you crazy and you yelled at them, you know, because we all have this image that we think we're supposed to present to the world. And I kind of went in like little, like super secret sneaky mission to destroy that. Mm And I think all of us that are a part of East Idaho Moms internally share that. Mm-hmm. We all want to just smash this ideal mother bullshit because mm-hmm. there is no perfect mom. I can be a perfect mom to one of my kids and then I pop the next one out. I say pop them out like it's that easy, <laughs> right? Like I just, there's a baby. <laughs> they just come out. Uh, they just, they just walk out. It's fine. I've had several. They just, they come out toddlers. <laughs> um, you know, I, I can be the perfect mother to the first one. And then the next one, I'm like, 
you're like a completely different human being. How mm-hmm. am I supposed to do this? And I think all of us really came together with that passion to just bring real talk back to motherhood. And I think that that's where we started seeing our growth. Mm-hmm. When we started telling moms, you're not the only one whose kid pooped on the slide at Toffus Park today. You're not the only one who freaked out at your kids in the drive-thru. You're not the only one who forgot pajama day at school. You know, and of course we do still have the positive topics. We do still talk about, look at this awesome trip I went on with my family. Look at these fun crafts we did for Easter. And, you know, a lot of our website is based on resources. I don't know if you've ever visited it, but we do have you know, what we call our local guides. So we have like the ultimate um, guide to East Idaho Playgrounds that's sponsored by the Pediatric Center. Shout out to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has a comprehensive listing of every playground from Blackfoot to Rexburg with Mm -hmm. professional photography. And it tells you if it has a baby swing, if it's sand or wood chips or gravel, if it has a bathroom, if it has shade, if it has a walking path. I mean, something like that to me is invaluable as a mother. Mm -hmm. For me to be able to know if I have to take my kid to the nasty playground with sand and we're going to come home covered in sand, like I need to know that up front. (laughs) Like I need to know which playground we're visiting today because I need to be prepared. Um, and you know, we have like a splash guide that lists all the water sports in the area. We have an ultimate guide to fall that has pumpkin patches and trick or treats and all of that information consolidated because that's just one less thing for a mom to have to do. You know, it is just one less thing when a mom doesn't have to spend 20 minutes on Facebook events, trying to find something for her family, then we've done our job at East Idaho moms. And so I feel like as we started to incorporate all of these different resources, it was a very authentic brand Mm -hmm. because all of us are very passionate about just supporting our local moms. And I did spend a lot of time because I am a businesswoman. I am, and I'm on, I'm an entrepreneur and I understand the value of dollars and the value of my time. My time is incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time going like, why am I doing this for free? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I not monetizing this more? And every time it didn't feel icky to do it for free. You know, there are other things, you know, when I'm asked for mentorship or I'm, you know, when somebody says, oh, I just want to pick your brain. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, my billable rate is this for my (laughs) brain. You know, some things I have no problem doing that. I have no problem setting that boundary and letting people know my time is valuable and my time is money in a lot of cases. But East Idaho Moms was never that way for me. Mm -hmm. East Idaho Moms has never felt like it's profit over people. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we're, we're four years into it now and the money comes. Yeah. I can proudly say, and this is something I've said, you know, to different sister site owners throughout the nation. And they're like, what? No way. But I can proudly say that, um, we have always been in the green from our first year of operation, 12 months in the initial business cost was paid off. Um, my, my team members know, all of our transactions, they're available. I don't think they look at them. I don't think they care. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've always been fully transparent with how money comes in and how money comes out, what what contracts come in and how we spend that money. And I can, I can proudly say that we've never pursued a sale. Everything that we have, every bit of income that has come in has come to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with Eastern Idaho Regional Medical Center as one of our primary sponsors. And they've been with us since pre-launch. Um, we've worked with Idaho Falls Pediatrics. We've worked with different um, orthodontists. We work with the Pediatric Center very closely now. They're they're an incredible group of physicians. 
um, as well as people who really want to impact their community positively. We, we work with um, Idaho Falls School District 91. Mm-hmm. We work with the Idaho Falls Zoo, the East Idaho Aquarium. And these are all places that have come to us and said, we see what you're doing and we want in. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, it's, um, I'm very proud to say oh, that everything that has come. Amazing. Well, yeah. And I'm also a little bit embarrassed to say like, we're not actively doing more, you know, but I, I know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. I know my capabilities and I'd rather say yes to less things than say yes to everything and then have to half-ass it. Mm-hmm. Like I never want, um, our sponsors or our community to feel like we're just kind of halfway passionate about it because that's absolutely not the case. But I think that as business owners, and I think that particularly as women, we have a tendency to say yes to a lot more things than we can reasonably accept Mm -hmm. because boundary setting is difficult for women. And because we in, in many cases are raised to be people pleasers and I think that that was one of the hardest lessons I learned in business ownership was knowing when to say no and then knowing how to say no. Yeah. But, um, East Idaho moms is, is definitely growing. We're definitely going places. We started with a website. We are now on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. Our Pinterest is incredible. One mm-hmm. of our new team members, Bailey Porter, who is just so creative. It's so fun. She's also an occupational therapist at Ermac. So she brings a lot of really interesting knowledge to Mm -hmm. the table when it comes to being a contributing writer. She has taken on our Pinterest and has just done incredible things with it. Yeah. Um, we are also on TikTok sporadically. (laughs) That's what I was about to ask. Are you on TikTok? We are on TikTok. Because TikTok is it. Yeah. A lot of people think it's just, you're on there dancing and things and things like that, but you can also monetize. Yes. TikTok. It only takes a video. Mm -hmm. takes that one special video and then, uh, like we were talking with uh, Devin on our last episode, she had she was just showing somebody how to do some hair, and it blew up, and she got 10, 10 million follow or not follows but views on that mm-hmm. video, and and that's what people don't understand, like or business owners that like you have to be on these social media, uh, all the platforms, uh, especially if you want to thrive. Um, so I had a I, I like how you brought up earlier that you relate to a lot of these moms, uh, like like you said their kid did this, their kid did that. Cause I, I remember one time I was on a date and her kid started crying, like uncontrolled, like tantrum, like just going off. And she was super embarrassed just because she thought that everyone's like looking at her. Like it, like it only happened to her, right? you, you know, but it doesn't. And I'm like, it's fine. Like he's just, he can't talk. So he can't tell you what's wrong. Obviously, you know, what's bothering him. He's just throwing a tantrum, but she was like super embarrassed. And, uh, there's people who feel like that, that certain things only happen to them, you know, cause they see, uh, that's another downside of Instagram or social media is people will post all their good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very rare that you find a, a profile or some sort of like people being you know, showing their bad sides too, because, you know, obviously we're all human, like bad things happen to all of us, you know? Uh, so I really like that you guys do that that way. I, I can see like why people would relate just because I had that experience with her and I remember that she was like super embarrassed and I was just telling her, Hey, like it's, it's all right. Like he just, you know, throwing a tantrum. If someone has a problem with it, you know, they must not have kids because right. kids cry. <laughs> yeah. Kids cry. Uh, so I had another question just because I did see your story when you were heading over here. Um, you said that 
for the most part, you try to keep everything clean on uh, okay. on East Idaho. I was like, wait, which story did you see? <laughs> <laughs> you try to keep everything clean, you know, because, uh, you know, some people don't like uh, um, bad language here or don't want you to push like certain things. Um, and you said you were kind of hesitant just because some of us, what people see on social media, we're a little bit different. Not completely different, but we may, like, I swear a lot too, you know, but on the podcast, I don't swear that much. Uh, but, like, I, I make dirty jokes. I do, like, all sorts of stuff, but I don't do it on the podcast because uh, I do it just because I know there's certain people who do not like that. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm trying to please you. I'm just trying to invite everybody in, you know, so they can enjoy it and without having to deal with my uh, dirty mouth. Is that something similar to you? Yeah. Um, I, and I also, I think that sometimes, you know, and you've, you watch my stories. I know you do because I see you watching them. Um, but social media is a liar. Like at the end of the day, social media is a liar. I accidentally stepped into this weird, like influencer space. It didn't happen intentionally. I did not intend to influence anybody to do anything besides read books and eat your daily protein because those are important. <laughs> like, you know, if, if anybody says I influence them to do anything, it's like read books. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know for sure, I'm not going to call them out, but I can like tell you right now, if I had to three names of three women who now read books, mm-hmm. because all I talked about was books and they finally were like, okay, fine. I guess I'll read a book. I and, guess I'll check one out. And now they're reading books <laughs> pretty much like as crazy as I am. I know mm-hmm. one of them, I think just finished like her 28th book for the year. I think hey. I'm on like 39. Oh, wow. But I also read professionally. So mm-hmm. when it pays the bills, you do it a little bit more sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important for people to remember that social media is a construct. And especially when you enter this influencer space, when brands are paying you to represent products, there is a certain level of professionalism that starts to go into social media that wasn't there before. And mm-hmm. for me, that means um, on my personal brand, you know, that. Even, even though I might post a picture of the not so good stuff, it's still going to be an aesthetically pleasing picture. Yeah. Even if I post a picture or a story, you know, recently I've, I've been ill and I posted a picture reminding people like, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I think I had like an IV in my arm. It was still like a well-lit clean picture. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for people to remember that. And I went on my stories today because I wanted to make sure that there's a clear delineation between who I am as a woman and a personal brand. Um, because at this point, Gigi Rop is a personal brand. Mm. I am a freelance writer. I am a professional speaker. I am a professional reader. I am an influencer. I do get paid from brands um, to represent their products. I am a brand affiliate and brand ambassador for local and national companies. And so I am my own entity. Mm-hmm. And I never want anybody to feel like because they don't jive with me that they can't jive with one of my brands. Okay. And so East Idaho Moms is a brand built by East Idaho Moms for East Idaho Moms. Mm-hmm. And that looks different across the board. Um, as a brand, East Idaho Moms stands behind Black Lives Matter. As a brand, East Idaho Moms supports trans rights and we support our LGBTQIA plus community, which I am a part of. As a bisexual, Hispanic, tattooed, daughter of immigrant (laughs) feminist, I have a lot of opinions, but that's Gigi. Mm -hmm. 
And so I have to be very specific with what East Idaho Moms stands for, which is inclusion and diversity and a welcoming table for all. We are all about building bigger tables instead of taller fences, Mm. right? Um, And so I have to be very cautious to make sure that people don't see me as the sole face of the company. Yeah. Because while some women will see me and be like, oh my gosh, that girl is a badass. I want to be her friend. Some other women might be like, oh, whoa, she is way too much for me. (laughs) And like, and that's okay. I am too much for some people and I'm okay with that. And for those people, I'd like to remind them that there there are 20 something other members on the team that are not like me. Yeah. One of my favorite team members and somebody I consider a best friend is a conservative LDS very traditional, very sweet, fun mother who spends her days in like leggings and graphic t-shirts. And she cleans her house once a week because she likes having a tidy home. Mm -hmm. We are polar opposites, but we are best friends. And I think that it's important as a brand to remind people that East Idaho Moms has this diversity and all of these different ideals. Even within the team, we have team members who do not agree with the statement Black Lives Matter. We do still have team members that are team All Lives Matter or team why are we even talking about this? It doesn't apply to me. We have Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians. We have young moms and old moms and adoptive moms and moms who were adopted themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I think something like 30% of our team identifies as a minority, which is something I'm very proud of in this area. Because that's not an adequate representation of our demographic. Our demographic here is is primarily white, mm-hmm. and so to have thirty percent of our team members that identify, you know, as as one of the other check boxes is really cool. Um, but I have to be very careful to make sure that I'm not alienating any moms in the area by making them feel that I am East Idaho moms. Mm-hmm. And so as my personal brand has grown, I've taken a lot of steps to make sure that I delineate the two. That this is Gigi Rob owner of East Idaho Moms, but this is East Idaho Moms on its own. And East Idaho Moms is so much cooler than I am. <laughs> like I bring a lot to the table. Don't get me wrong. Like I am a powerhouse of a woman and a business owner and a brand on my own, but East Idaho Moms is something entirely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, the community that we have created and the way that we are breaking down these barriers to just bring mothers together on the one thing that brings us all together. And that's that we're trying to like not raise assholes, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just want to raise a solid core group of children that we're going to send out into the world as young adults and hope that they turned out okay. Like that's really it. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what we believe in religiously, you know, what, what type of food we eat, if we eat preservatives, if we have microwaves in our houses, if we use chlorine or plant-based or essential oils, like none of that really matters at the end of the day. At Mm -hmm. the end of the day, we're all just trying to raise decent human beings. And the work that we have done in the four years to do that, I am absolutely humbled when I see these mothers coming together in ways that they weren't doing five years ago. When I see moms who say, I never would have thought that I could be friends with this person, but now we hang out twice a week. Mm -hmm. You know, when my writers submit pieces about miscarriage or domestic abuse or divorce or mental health, you know, the hard stuff. Yeah. That these are women who are volunteer writers. They're not getting paid for these pieces. They're just pouring their hearts out into a very public platform Mm -hmm. because we are a large platform. 
And these are women who genuinely are, are allowing us to mine their pain in exchange for the knowledge that maybe their story will impact just one mother in East Idaho that needed to hear, I was in an abusive relationship and here's how I got out. Mm-hmm. Or I hate Mother's Day because my child died. Oh, dang. Like to be able to hear those voices in a community as sometimes close-minded as ours is, I am just absolutely humbled daily to know that something that I am pouring into to make happen on a daily basis is producing these types of results and changes in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say East Idaho moms is cooler than I am, <laughs> I mean, it's like, this is changing women's lives. Yeah. Like, and I know like, yeah, I'm super humble about it. I'm a business owner and my business changes lives, but like, it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, like my book review is not going to change your life. Okay. Me going to Vegas and telling you where to get the best donuts is not life changing, (laughs) but having a platform where a woman can say, I'm going to talk about what it's like to be a mother who has a toxic relationship with her mother. Like that's going to change somebody's life. Yeah. Cause a lot of people feel like it's only happening to them, but they don't realize it's happening to many others. And they don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you like, I don't talk to my mom and mother's day is hard for me. They don't tell you like my child passed away and now I can't drive past cemeteries. They don't tell you these things, but for us to go out there and say them out loud, loud and proud, here are the hard things. We never know when we're reaching that mom that's going, Oh my God, me too. Yeah. And now they feel a little bit less alone. And yet, then we throw in the community aspect. We have our weekly play dates. We do a weekend play date. We do a quarter moms, quarterly moms night out, a quarterly book club, You know, now we're bringing in these opportunities for these online friendships and connections to happen face-to-face. And the growth we're seeing there is just a testament to all of the growth that we've been doing for the past four years online. And and it gives a chance for mothers to – because some of them, they just stick to home. Like Mm -hmm. being home, being home, being home. And then that – depending on the person, it it could uh, cause a little bit of a depression just because they're not out socializing. Like we we're social human beings. Like we need to socialize to an extent and, and keeping they're staying at home all day and only socializing whoever's at your house, you know, can, you know, lead to depression or some, some, something similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's cool that you share that. And I actually, I actually had, um, a small, um, I didn't know, how big that episode would have been. Like we had an episode with, uh, um, uh, her name is Cassandra. She was going through, uh, an abusive relationship. She showed me the videos, her bruises, all sorts of stuff. And I was like, naturally somebody will say, well, why didn't you just leave? You know? And, and I know that's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, so that's why I wanted her to, to jump on the podcast. That way she, she could explain, you know, what, what kept her there. Like the different, like, why, why did you stay? And, and she pretty much explained that she thought things were going to be different. She, he would be super rude and all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, be like the best boyfriend in the world, but then instantly switch right back. And, and, and you get to learn some of these things that uh, for someone like myself, I've never laid a hand on a girl, you know, uh, so I'm super proud of that. But you don't realize that there's other people out here that don't care and they just do it. And to them, it's normal. And so after we released that episode, 
I had a lot of people, a lot, a lot of girls messaging me she, saying like, thank you for doing that. Thank you for putting that out. Uh, it helps them like almost, oh, okay, this is what she did. This is what I can do. Cause it, it took her a while to get out of that toxic relationship. And even then when he, he was still trying to reach out to her and, uh, he would say like cute things that way, you know, you go, you go right back. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so I only got a little glimpse of that. So imagine like on a, on a bigger scale, like yours, like where you're constantly helping, you know, all, all these other, like these mothers and uh, helping them out. So I really think that's something awesome that you guys do over Thank there. Uh, but I had a question like on the business side of that. Are you, do you ever plan on scaling it up? Because to, to me, like just looking at the name would be kind of hard because it says East Idaho Moms. Uh, do you just plan on keeping it Idaho? What happens if you get into like New York, Florida, and like that's not East Idaho. So, uh, are you thinking about like making a separate branch calling like, you know, uh, something moms or something like that? Cause something like this that you have, I I see it getting a lot bigger. Thank you. You know, so that's the plan. Yeah. So what would your plan be then? Like, cause if I saw like a, a group or a page or a website that said East Idaho moms, I'm like, well, that's East Idaho moms. I'm over in Florida. I can't relate to that. You know, uh, instantly it, it's weird. People like it's psychologically with the name, they'll think that, uh, what are your plans well, to the, scale up? The branding is intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, we always intended, and my plan is to continue to be a hyper-local brand mm-hmm. that serves East Idaho specifically. The beauty of our connection with City Mom Collective is that we do have 70-something sites nationwide. And so we do have Miami Moms. We do have Houston, um, Destin. We have Orange County. We do have Rochester, New York, and and Tulsa, Oklahoma. I might have made that up. We might not have Tulsa, but we should have <laughs> Tulsa. Shout out to moms in Tulsa. Um, so we do have the opportunities for moms to come together. And so something that's really cool about that is – I can focus on my business here hyper-locally. Mm-hmm. I can serve East Idaho moms in a way that only an East Idaho mom could. Because a lot of times when you go online and you're looking up things to do with toddlers in the winter, okay, cool. Well, something from Mesa, Arizona is not going to help me Yeah, because it's like negative 12 outside with 17 inches of snow. That's great, mom in Arizona that you're going to the pool. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, and so a lot of the resources that we provide on East Idaho are provided specifically for okay. East Idaho. So as far as scaling East Idaho moms, um, we have barely even touched cities outside of Idaho Falls. Mm-hmm. I do not currently have sponsorships or partnerships in place anywhere outside of like the Idaho Falls Ammon area, with the exception of a preschool in Pocatello. Mm-hmm. This year, three weeks ago, we just launched our Lunch in the Park series that is serving Twin Falls now, as well as Idaho Falls. And so as far as scaling and growth, my my priority right now is making sure that I am serving all East Idaho moms. Naturally, with a start as Idaho Falls Moms blog, our, our hub is here. I live in Idaho Falls. Therefore, it's easier for me to provide information and resources for the area that I'm in. Um, and I do have the opportunity through City Mom Collective, if I wanted to expand, if I wanted to start Boise Moms or Salt Lake City Moms. Um, but I think I'd rather leave that to another woman. Mm-hmm. I know that those are markets that they're very interested in starting. And I know that what we do is an invaluable resource for mothers anywhere mm-hmm. around the world. 
Um, so really the scaling opportunities lie within city mom collective and what they could do. I know that we have military moms collective and that's moms around the nation Mm -hmm. that are military mothers that are traveling, um, whether they themselves are serving or their partner is serving. And, you know, I really see city mom collective as a brand that can scale to a tremendous size. And to give you an idea of the scope of what city mom collective brings as a national brand, um, our 2020 conference was hosted by Walt Disney World. Oh, wow. So we got four four-day park hoppers with media fast passes and stayed in their resorts. And like we had our conference in their resorts building during one of our lunches, like stormtroopers came barging in. <laughs> like So that just gives you a scope of like what the national brand of City Mom Collective is. And because of that, we have opportunity to work with partners like Playtex and MAM and Pampers and Amazon and Kohl's. You know, these are brands that are featured as advertisements on my website that a blogger starting their blog from scratch may take a decade Mm -hmm. to have the visibility, the credibility, and the legitimacy to be able to work with some of those larger brands. But because we are licensed through City Mom Collective, we already have that brand partnership with a lot of these really big names that then allow us to bring those resources into an area that um, generally might be overlooked Mm -hmm. by some of these brands. And so on a personal level, I'm happy with East Idaho Moms. Um, The growth we've seen in four years without outreach in Mm -hmm. our sales position um, is incredible. And what we can continue to do for moms of East Idaho, I don't think I'll be satisfied in 25 years. I think 25 years from now, we'll have playdates in every freaking city. And it still won't be enough for me Mm -hmm. until I'm like in every mother's house every single day. Like, you good? You good today? You all right? What do you need? (laughs) You know, like, oh, your kid's being a jerk. I get it. Mine too. Let's cry about it. Like, (laughs) until we're there, until I feel like we've infiltrated homes in a way that mothers know that they are not alone anymore. I don't think I'll be satisfied enough to branch out into another city. Like my focus, my heart, my intentions are all right here in East Idaho for now and for a long time. I love, I love to hear that. Thank you. Uh, so, so I want to also get into, because something that you mentioned is that you get paid to read for a living. Yes. And so my question is, how did you get into that? Just because <laughs> There is hundreds and thousands of people who also read, you know what I mean? And they don't, they do it for free. You know, uh, were you reaching out to some of these authors, uh, bookstores, like publishers, like, and, and like messaging them saying like, I'll do this. And then they eventually started paying you for that. How do you get involved doing that? Um, so I think a lot of it comes with notoriety on social media. Um, I didn't actively pursue because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that people would honestly be like, I'm going to send you a book for free. You're going to read it and I'm going to pay you to do it. Like what? (laughs) I've been doing this for free, like my whole life. Um, and so a lot of it was, well, all of it were, was just like publishers coming to me saying, you know, Hey, do you do campaigns for this? Um, and that just falls into that influencer space. Mm -hmm. I get emails weekly. I'm not cool. I don't get them daily, but I do get like a weekly email from some brand or other like, Hey, would you be interested in featuring our product? This is what we could pay. A lot of times I steer clear from those just because, um, I have built my brand from scratch. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I, I never 
intended to be an influencer. And so most of the people that I have scattered throughout my social media are people that I care about. And I'm not just going to go and be like, oh, hey, you should try these freezer pops. They're great. My family loves them. They're amazing. Because I get paid to do that, <laughs> you know? Um, but reading, reading I can jive with. Mm-hmm. Like reading, I can tell people like, this book is awesome. You need to read it because I'm already doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's kind of like what it was for essential oils. Like I was already using them and loving them. So I was just telling my people about them. Mm-hmm. Like the same way that when I find a pair of black leggings that isn't see-through, I'm going to tell my people like, y'all go get these leggings because they're not see-through. Um, and so reading was was a very natural fit for my brand. And so publishers would come to me and say, you know, hey, we have a paid marketing campaign for whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And for a while I was like, no, I'm not interested because I don't want to read what I don't want to read. Yeah. And then I realized like, why am I not reading these books? Number one, I need the money. And like, number two, what's the worst that can happen if I don't always read these like smutty romances? Like, oh no, I have to read a book about a dragon. Like (laughs) worst case scenario, I spent a few days learning something new, reading somebody's passion. And at the end of the day, maybe I don't give it a five-star review. Like that's the worst that can happen. And for some people it's different. Some people reading a book is a large investment for them. Yeah. Um, and I, I can appreciate that for me. Reading a book is honestly like a, I'm going to spend two to three days casually reading this and I'm going to finish it. And I either liked it or I didn't On to the next. Um, but there are opportunities for people who don't have publishers approaching them. Um, there are several places. If you go, I know particularly on Instagram, if you go to different publishers, if you're going to Harper books or hatchet book group, um, Macmillan publishers. And if you're a reader, you're familiar with who, who is putting out your books. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they do have a link in their bio where it says, um, you know, you click in it and there's an option for bookstagrammers or influencers or bloggers to get on their newsletter. And so not every book that I read is a paid opportunity. A lot of books I read, I read because I already wanted to read that book. And now here's a publisher who's offering a free advanced copy in exchange for a review. Yeah. Well, cool. I was already going to buy it on Amazon or go to my local bookshop. So why not get the book for free? And I have this weird obsession with the advanced reader copies because they're unedited. (laughs) And so sometimes when the book comes out, like they've removed characters or like entire chapters are missing and you're like, I've got the OG, you know, like this is, this is the one. Um, And so any opportunity I have to get my hands on an advanced reader copy, I'll do it. Um, And I don't know if this is something that when you fill out the application, they're looking at your Goodreads to see how many books you've read and how many you reviewed. I don't know if they're looking at how many followers I have on Instagram and that's helping them make their decision Mm -hmm. on if they want to accept me for this promotion or not. But I do know that the information is out there for people who want to do, even if they're not getting paid to do it, even if they just want the free books in exchange for review, I would say the first step would be to start going to these publishers um, and doing that. There's also an app called Mm NetGalley, N-E-T-G-A-L-L-E-Y, that offers advanced ebook. They're called galleys um, that are generally uncorrected proofs and you get it and they have an, a reading app that's just like Kindle, mm-hmm. like the Kindle app and you can pre-read books before they come out. And that's also another free opportunity. You request it from the publisher and you get approved or denied. Some of them, there isn't an approval process. Some of them, it's just the first 100 people who want to read this book, we're going to give it to them for free. Mm-hmm. 
And I have found that that's a really cool way to read some new authors. Um, I was recently approved to pre-read a book from one of my favorite Mexican authors. Um, the Daughter of Dr. Moreau comes out in July, and I read it like in April. Oh, and I thought that was so cool because she's a New York Times bestseller. She wrote Mexican Gothic. She wrote Velvet Was the Night. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm reading her book before anybody else, you know? <laughs> and I think that for a lot of readers, that would be exciting. So NetGalley is another really good resource. And then I think once you have some of those things under your belt and publishers start to see, um, you know, if you're commenting on their posts, you're interacting with them, you're interacting with other bookstagrammers, and then publishers see like, oh, this this person's on NetGalley and they've received 10 books for free and they've reviewed all 10 of them. And mm-hmm. look at their reviews. Their reviews look good. Yeah. And look at their Amazon reviews. Their Amazon reviews look good. I think that that starts to build kind of a weird portfolio that people don't think about because yeah. who read, who like builds a reading portfolio, <laughs> right? Like who is dorky enough to build a reading portfolio <laughs> besides me? But for those that might want to pursue that, mm-hmm. I think it's important to be able to say, you know, hey, this is how many books I've read. Goodreads is a really good platform. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Most non-readers aren't. It's kind of a place where you can say, these are the books I've read. This is what I thought of them. These are the books I want to read. It tracks the books you're currently reading. Like if you're using Kindle, Mm -hmm. when you open a Kindle book, it says Mark is reading on Goodreads. Um, And I think publishers spend a lot more time on Goodreads than we realize. So it's just one more social media platform to juggle because you can have your bio on there and your picture and you get people status updates. So-and-so rated this book four stars. But I think that that's another really good way for readers to become more involved with the publishers. And I found that in most cases, when I'm posting about a book and I'm tagging an author, they're DMing me. And I'm like, yeah, like New York Times bestselling author just DM'd me. Thank you for posting about her book. Like, when did I get this cool? Like, honestly, like I think LeBron James could be like, hey girl. And I would be like, did you write a book? Because <laughs> I talked to Ellery Lloyd and Christy Woodson Harvey last week. Like, And they're so much cooler to me. Um, but I think that authors and publishers are really looking to engage with their audience through social media in a way that I haven't seen before. And I think that there are a lot of really cool opportunities for people who are passionate about reading and can give concise, honest feedback mm-hmm. to really get into this. Because I think that these marketing campaigns, as we grow in um, more authentic marketing, I think that they are going to become more and more popular and more people are going to be looking for real people Versus like Stephen King said this about this book mm-hmm. or, you know, whoever famous author said that they liked this book. I think that they want to know, like, what did Susan next door think? Yeah. Like, what did that girl that I follow on Instagram that makes all the funny faces think? Like, I think that that's becoming a lot more valuable than people are realizing. Yeah. And, and it's cool that you bring that up because uh, I always tell people that there's millions of ways to make money. Uh, you just need to go out there and find it and not necessarily be like, Oh, pay me, pay me. No, you have to put in the work and effort in the beginning. Like me, I recently found out cause I'm trying to, by the end of like August, maybe I'm trying to do half a marathon, like uh nonstop. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just found out that there's a crypto app that tracks your runs and pays you per mile that you run. You know what I mean? What? And, yeah. And so, I, but you have to get it accepted into this, uh, this app. It's only like a small, smaller community and they release a code every so often. And you have to try to get that code or you have to know somebody who has a code that can give it to you, but you actually, you can make money running. And me, I'm like, that's crazy. Like before you just go out and, and jog, there's millions of people who go outside and, and jog and make zero money from it. 
Uh, but I was like, I can go out there and run miles and you're going to get so rich. Uh, I'm going to message you every day. (laughs) Probably. Like, Hey, how many miles did you do today? Are you rich yet? No, no, that probably won't happen. Off running. (laughs) If I was a marathon runner, then probably you are not, you are (laughs) just say it. I am a marathon runner. Are you going to run a marathon one day? I I think I'm going to cut it at half a marathon. Half was rough, but but that's what I say now. Cause I, I, I absolutely hate running, but I like to challenge myself to things that I don't like doing. And so I was like, I'll do half a, well, first I did a 5k. I actually blew that out of the, out of the water. And I was like, dang, I didn't think I could do that. And I was was like, let me try to do half a marathon and that'll probably be it. But that's what I say now. Uh, I I wasn't able to accomplish, accomplish it last year just because we started getting into the negatives and started getting cold. And for those people listening, they're like, well, why don't you do a treadmill? Have you ever ran on a treadmill? That thing is the most boring thing ever. Like, uh, you can't watch anything because you, you start getting that motion sickness because your phone is staying or whatever is staying still and you're moving and you're moving and, and I would get dizzy and yeah, it's it just not happening. And then sitting on a treadmill for longer than 10 minutes, it's extremely boring. Uh, you, I'm like, I'll just run next year. That's basically what I said. So, uh, for how many years though? Just that one year you just said, I'll just run next year. Or so is I, it like a, I started year? last year. Okay. I started last year <laughs> and I started towards the end. Uh, I started after my birthday, uh, which is in July. So I was like, Hey, you know, I, I want to challenge myself to something different. Cause after I went skydiving, I was like, Oh, let me, let me challenge myself to something different. Let me do something different. Um, like one of my goals is to actually jump out of the planes by myself. Uh, cause I liked it so much. I liked skydiving so much. And my certificate is right there for those people watching, uh, on, uh, <laughs> on uh, Spotify or YouTube. Uh, so there's that. So it, it's cool that you bring that up just because, uh, you tell someone that you said uh, earlier, Oh, I get paid to read, you know, and they're like, how, you know, and, but they don't realize it was all these other little things that you do and you have to consistently keep doing just, uh, to let other people know like, Hey, you're available for like these reviews or, or books to, to read and things like that. I, I'm, I've never been a huge reader just because I'm one of those that where I read a few pages and then I come, I don't even know what I just read. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. But what has been doing really well for me is audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So audiobooks, like sometimes when I go run, I, I realize I really pay attention to, to the audiobook. So when I'm running, now, probably like seven times out of 10, I'm listening to an audiobook and the chapters just go through and, and I, I retain a lot of the um, information. Uh, and so last year, when I really went heavy into uh, audiobooks, I ended up, my goal was 100. I ended up at 61, which is still way better than How I ever thought. How <laughs> embarrassing. Only 61 audiobooks in a year. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I, and I was super proud of it. So this year I was like, I'm going to be 61 and um, falling behind just because it's, I mean, you know, life happens you can't always, uh, uh, you try to juggle a bunch of things all at once and, uh, trying to get to audiobooks all the time. It just doesn't happen. Uh, I usually do it when I'm editing too, but if you're editing video, you really can't listen to an audiobook. So, uh, it really comes down to priorities. Mm-hmm. And I have that conversation a lot because people are like, how do you have time to read? I have five kids. <laughs> I have five kids. I have my, my essential oil business. I run East Idaho moms. I have my own personal brand. I'm also very strict on my mental health and Mm -hmm. my capabilities, what I can and cannot do, what I will or will not say yes to, um, as well as, you know, social lives, relationships, things like that. I have a lot going on Yeah. and people are like, how do you, how do you have time to read? I make time. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's really that simple. I make time. I prioritize time. 
I prioritize time for travel. I prioritize time for, for self-care. I get a massage monthly. I get mm. pedicures and people are like, how do you have time for this? And I'm like, I think that, and it's very crass and I, I know that it'll come off that way to some people. And I, I'm not sorry for, for the feelings that it triggers, but you make time for the things that you want to make time for mm-hmm. period. So those people that are like, I don't have time for that. I, I, not so delicately just say like, you're just not making time for that. And if, if that stirs up negative feelings within people, like I, I really encourage them to sit in those feelings. Like why, why does that statement make you uncomfortable? And then see if you can make some changes within your, your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly structure Mm -hmm. to start prioritizing you. Because at the end of the day, if you prioritize the things that you want, you're prioritizing yourself. And so if, if you want to prioritize books, then I challenge you to sit down and actually prioritize books. Yeah. See, and th- that's huge too, is like, uh, cause I also get asked that similar question is like, how do you do all this? It's well, priorities, like what's most important to you. And to me, it's like building this, which I do need to take a little bit more time for my, like actually myself and just relax. I hardly do that. I have because- to tell you on a personal <laughs> note, um, and I'm, I'm going to air some laundry here, um, but there have been some conversations we've had where I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm editing. And I'm like, do you know that it is 1130 at <laughs> night, like on a Friday? Like you are young and attractive. Why are you sitting at home editing at 1130 on a Friday night? And I've had that thought a lot with you. I'm like, man, this, he never stops. And He's see, always working. And that's my problem. I need to... Uh, find a little, like take some time. That's why this morning, like I, I was like, all right, I'm going to go golf this morning. Like I need to take some me time, even though for those listening, golfing is stressful and peaceful at the same time, <laughs> just because if you're sucking, you're stressed out because you're, you know, not doing so hot. And today was not, the wind was not working with me. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but like prioritizing certain things, like if, uh, if you're looking to get like a, a side hustle going on or anything, you have to prioritize that time because uh, they say they don't have time. Like, well, how much Netflix did you watch? You know, like how much time did you waste on TikTok? And and, and it's funny because they'll sit there and think about it like, uh, not a lot. I'm like, well, you just told me you just binge watched that season. Like, I haven't even seen the first episode, you know. Like you don't get through 10 <laughs> seasons of Ozark in less than like eight hours. OK. Yeah. And and so like things like that. And, uh, and, th- and that's a good thing that came out of books because I do like self-help. I do just nonfiction fiction. Uh, that's what I learned to because it, it used to be nothing but self-help books. But then it starts getting kind of boring mm-hmm. and it's like the same thing over and over. And then somebody told me, well, mix it, mix it up, like add some stuff that you would not not normally listen to. Or like just different genres. And I started doing that. And I'm like, wow, like you start like you start reading this book or listening to this book. And, and then all of a sudden you go back to like say another self-help book and like it you retain so much more, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh and it completely changed my mindset to uh books. Books uh help a lot. And that's why I always like uh, push the people to who whoever are trying to better themselves or like uh just because Books have helped me ever since I, it was the first book I ever, like, first audiobook. It was the Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oof. And the reason I really liked it because I could relate to almost, not everything, but a lot of things in that book. And you're like, dang, like, that's so true. That's so true. So that's the that's the first book I ever recommend to somebody to, uh, if they're looking to get into self-help books or financial books, just because... Uh, me growing up, I was taking financial advice from my parents and, 
they're doing well, don't get me wrong, but they're not like wealthy. And so... Well, and the game has changed yeah. and I don't, I, you know, we're on video here. Your parents are going to see that look I just made. Like that is no disrespect to your parents, but taking financial advice from, from a generation that's living outside of our own, like mm-hmm. we have cryptos now, like crypto stocks. my dad's a day trader. Like that, that's what he does now. He mm-hmm. just, he plays the stock market. And so my father understands it, but like my mother I don't even think she understands like compounding interest. <laughs> like I love her, but she just, she just puts and- her money in the bank and she gets it out when she needs it for her nails. Like, I don't think that she, yeah. and so I, I realized how much money I was losing in the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause then you start learning these things like stocks, you start learning crypto, you start learning all these like different ways you can invest your money, like good credit, bad credit. And uh, like, and nobody uh, teaches you this. No. Like, why isn't anybody <laughs> teaching this to our generations? And uh, one of the good credit things that I learned uh, is like, using, like, say you're going to buy something that's going to make you money. Like, but you don't want to, instead of investing and paying it all up front, have U.S. Bank pay it for you, credit card. And then you just like pay that off as that makes you money. And then just prioritize like paying that. Don't be like, oh, I'm just going to uh, take that money. And say you were going to pay it in full. Now you can invest a little bit more into something different. And now you got two different things going on. And I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. Cause, uh, my parents were like, always you put something on a credit card, you pay it off right away. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, like you have to pay it or you have to pay it, uh, pay whatever in full. And th- that's the mindset I was coming with. So I'm like, Oh, like I no investing information, no investing advice and things like that. And so I got into, into books, honestly, and so, uh, but anyways, we've been going for a while. I love this conversation with you. It's been amazing. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can bring you back on when John's here uh, as I'd well. I'd love too. to meet him. Uh, that way we can like, cause we can get into all sorts of things, you know? And right now I just wanted people to get to know you, get to know your brand, you know, cause, uh, at the end of the day, they'll just see end results, you know, and I like to show where you came from, how you did things, how it wasn't easy, how it wasn't handed to you. It's never uh, easy. It's never easy. And it continues. Uh, I always tell people uh, being an entrepreneur is a 24-7 job, but it's very stressful, but very rewarding at the if same time. If you do it right, yeah. it's life-changing. The yeah. rewards are immense. And and you're like, well, this is why I'm doing it. You know, And if like, it's not worth it, maybe you're in the wrong field. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't pour your heart and soul into that anymore. Exactly. So again, thank you for coming on. This has been an amazing conversation and people listening, I'm sure they've had a, a great time listening to you too. I hope so. so. Let them know where they can follow you. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram. I won't accept your friend request on Facebook, so don't even try. <laughs> um, at ggrop, at G-I-G-I-R-O-P-P, um, website coming soon. That, that'll be really exciting. Oh, G, uh, ggrop. Ggrop.com okay, will okay. be coming soon. Um, I will also be launching my own personal podcast, um, likely this winter, entitled Let's Talk About Sex, maybe. <laughs> um, so shameless plug there for that. Um, East Idaho Moms can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, and Twitter as East Idaho Moms. And our website, East, eastidahomoms.com. Well, there you go. So, uh, make sure you give her a follow. Uh, I've been trying to follow all, all her pages. I'm going to follow the TikTok and give her a bunch of crap because, uh, I think I what, have like three TikToks <laughs> on my personal. That's where everyone is supposed to be pushing their stuff right now is TikTok just cause, uh, uh, 
Uh, well, I've never been a rule follower, so. That's true, too. <laughs> that's true, too. Anyways, thank you again, and we'll see you guys later. See you guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 